I was on the Foreign Relations Committee. I was chairman of the African Affairs Subcommittee and got to uh, spend a lot of time in Africa. I visited almost all of your countries. When I was vice president serving with President Obama, we hosted the first U.S.-Africa Leaders Summit, including U.S.-Africa Business Forum. We saw so clearly the enormous potential that we could harness if we did it together. And holding the first of its kind summit in 2014 was a watershed moment to cement new kinds of partnerships between our nations. Partnerships not to create political obligation, not to foster dependence, but to spur shared success. I emphasize shared success and opportunity. Because when Africa succeeds, the United States succeeds. Quite frankly, the whole world succeeds as well. Now, eight years later, the world has undergone a great many changes. We're still grappling with the deadly pandemic, facing down war and instability, addressing economic challenges of, with global impact, fighting, fighting rising food prices, tackling the impacts of climate change. And each of these crises has only heightened, heightened the vital role African nations and peoples play to address the global challenges that drive our Global Take, where we discuss global issues from the Black perspective. I'm Alexandra Haidar, your podcast host. Today, we're going to discuss the U.S.-Africa Leaders Summit that was held in Washington, D.C., December 13 to the 15, 2022. President Biden invited heads of state from Africa, as well as the civil society, business, diaspora, women, and youth leaders. They aim to discuss very pressing global issues affecting the continent, including global health, business, and democracy and governance. In this episode, we spoke to Corporate Council for Africa, the NBA, as well as the State Department to hear their perspectives on the new pathway forward towards U.S.-Africa relations. Take I don't think some of the barriers to getting more um, American companies to invest in Africa. Right, so first I have to say that the perception of whether or not American companies are in Africa or not is probably uh, just as bad a misperception as when uh, people talk about risk in Africa. Mm -hmm. Because there are lots and lots of U.S. companies in Africa, way more than what you're talking about. We we have uh, CCA ourselves, uh, almost 100 members. Some of them have been in Africa 40, 50, 70 years, okay? So, and then we have new companies that are going into Africa, you know, Apple, Google, um, Twitter, uh, you know, Amazon. So, um, there is a false perception and we are there. Now, that doesn't mean we couldn't be there more and we do need to be there more, but American companies are on the continent. And then on the positive side as well, Many African heads of state and ministers of trade and commerce will tell you all the time that they want to partner with American companies. Uh, bring, they bring the technology, the know-how. Um, they are. Uh, uh, um, they do. This is Floricel Lizer, CEO and President of Corporate Council for Africa. As part of the U.S.-Africa Summit, the Corporate Council on Africa is co-hosted U.S.-Africa Business Forum and several other special side events. Corporate Council on Africa is the leading U.S. business association focused solely on connecting business interests in Africa. 
U.S. Africa Business Forum, which is an official part of the U.S. Africa Leader Summit, is a really good opportunity to talk about how we can have more of that. Okay. Yes. Is there efforts to like increase Black Americans too? I mean, that's I think I think diaspora uh, uh, engagement uh, is important because um, uh, diaspora-owned businesses here in the U.S. Uh, women, minority, and diaspora-owned businesses are really good partners. Uh, are really good partners for uh, the women and youth-owned uh, enterprises on the continent, and they are already engaging. We have a U.S.-Kenya SME uh, trade initiative uh, that CCA has with KEPSA, the Kenya Private Sector Alliance. So I think it's happening, but here's the key. Just because it's happening doesn't mean that there isn't more that can be done. Thank you very much. Thank you. It is um, a sort of a re-energizing of a relationship that's already there. I think for the U.S., um, we, we, we don't take tend to take our private sector companies by the hand. You don't see an American president taking private sector companies anywhere in the world. Um, whereas other countries, when they go, when Macron goes, he takes French companies with him, they open up the doors for their businesses. I think for the U.S., we're doing more of that now. We have Prosper Africa, we have deal teams on the ground in many of the, the, the African nations through our embassies who are bringing in all 17 of the U.S. Uh, uh, agencies who are focused on Africa to work together to support U.S. businesses in doing business on the ground. So I think we're getting to a, a, a better place from the U.S. Africa Leaders Summit. And I think that's good news that says that we are putting in place uh, some sort of mechanism for us to follow up so it's not going to be a one-off. U.S. companies that are already investing in Africa, companies that have been there for decades and some that are just recently there, some that are in uh, uh, you know, old sectors or, or former sectors that drove uh, African economic growth, um, like uh, uh, raw materials, commodities, development, um, but what you're seeing now is a lot of investment in health. So, for example, since COVID came into place, we see companies like Pfizer and Johnson & Johnson, who are members of CCA, partnering with Africans on the ground to produce a COVID vaccine, and now there will be more of that. And today, I believe Secretary Blinken announced that the U.S. would be putting in also resources to helping uh, improve the infrastructure in Africa, both the hard infrastructure and the soft infrastructure. And then you have organizations like the Millennium Challenge Corporation, which over the last 20 years has put in like $11 billion into infrastructure in Africa. But a lot of times Africans don't seem to know that. So I just would say that, you know, when we're looking at the, the big picture, sometimes the perceptions of what's happening are not really the reality of it. But I really do see, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, us moving sort of to the next level of engagement with our African partners. And, you know, we think the Biden administration did a great job in pulling together this U.S.-Africa leader summit in five months. Africa, what's going on? A land of champions, fueled by passion, driven by success. On the court and in the community, our roots are in Africa. To those seeking a better tomorrow, basketball has served as an oasis for hope.
holistic approach to player development. The NBA is creating new places to live, learn and play. Being great doesn't come easy. We have planted the seeds to nurture the leaders of tomorrow. We're in the house now. Yeah. And speaking of taking U.S.-Africa business relations to the next level, NBA Africa is another example of U.S. companies investing on the continent. The Basketball Africa League is Africa's premier men's basketball league. The league consists of 12 teams, each qualifying through their domestic competition. NBA Africa is in its third season. They have teams all across the continent, including Senegal, Egypt, and Rwanda. We met with Mr. Mark Tatum, COO and Deputy Commissioner of the National Basketball Association to discuss NBA expansion on the continent. So yes, thanks so much for um, being able to talk to me with Global Take and talking about all the new initiatives with the NBA Africa. Now that you're in your third season on the continent, what are some lessons learned or um, things that you're looking at changing or improving um, in the I think I think the lesson that we've learned is that there's a real demand for basketball on the continent, and and there's a real demand for um, countries and people in Africa to see other Africans compete at the highest level. So to have a league in their time zone, in their country, um, in their cities, where. Africans are competing professionally for um, you know the BAL championship has been really really encouraging and I also think that what we're learning is that there is an opportunity here to view sports as a driver of economic opportunity of jobs of, of infrastructure development in addition to it being a great way for um, kids and, and young adults to stay healthy and, and active by playing the game of basketball. Okay, speaking of economic development, I know like the United States has a very well oiled machine when it comes to sports, and like in Africa, like that is a challenge, like to make to professionalize the industry and like um, how is NBA Africa helping on that side? I mean, of course, you're having a basketball player, but. It starts at the grassroots level, and I think um, with our junior NBA programs, getting kids in school systems to, be able to, to, to practice and to play, to get access to good coaching. We opened up an academy, as Victor said, we're opening up a second academy now. And then launching a league like the Basketball Africa League, where it is a professionally run league, I think demonstrates the opportunity to use sport as a driver. You know, ad agencies, marketing agencies have been created as a result of the need to, to market around these games and to sell tickets around these games. Okay. And so, um, you know, new arenas that were being, have been built in Kigali, Rwanda, in Dakar, Senegal, and there's other arena projects that are, that are being undertaken right now. So all those things by us creating that lead there is spurring more investments in the, in the, in the ecosystem around the sports business, specifically around basketball. Okay, okay. And, um, and like, how did you select the cities in terms of, like... <laughs> yeah, one, we, we looked at places that had facilities that could host our t that could host our games. And so, Kigali has a brand-new state-of-the-art facility. Dakar has a brand-new state-of-the-art facility. 
and Egypt has a very nice basketball stadium that could house our game. So that was the, the first thing. The second thing is just the affinity for the sport. Um, and in Rwanda, the, in all those countries, Rwanda, Egypt, um, and Senegal, they love basketball. And so fans, and they're also destinations for, that fans want to go to. Um, and so that's how we selected those different markets. But we hope to expand even more beyond that going okay. forward. Okay, are you looking at um, adding WNBA as well, or is that a separate entity? Yeah, no. So our, our, we have um, in, our, in, the, in Africa... Our programs are for boys and girls, and at some point, um, obviously, we have a number of African um, players in the WNBA who are of African descent. Um, either they were born in Africa, or at least one of their parents was born in Africa. So there's a strong connection and tie there, and we absolutely believe that um, there's more opportunities to continue to grow the women's game of basketball in Africa. Last question. Yeah. Um, in terms of like the salary, of course, you know, NBA players and US millionaire, um, yes. see millionaire salaries. Um, yes. How is that? How is that being developed or shaped up on the continent? Yeah, I think I think the reason that um, we're able to create that sort of opportunity for players in the U.S. is because of the business that we've created around that. Our goal, our hope, is that the BAL can one day be one of the, in the next 10 years, be one of the top leagues in the world. And I think if, if, it, if it becomes one of the top leagues in the world and we start um, you know, treating it like a business, there will be more opportunity for revenue and more opportunity to compensate the players. So I think that's part of the whole investment that we're making, that over time this is going to turn into you know, a, a, a driver of the economy and a driver of jobs and, um, and it will be this flywheel that, that gets created where people continue to invest in it because they're seeing a tangible return on it. Appreciate your time with Global Take, and that's it. Thank you so much. Thank you. For the Biden administration, this is a huge diplomatic push, with officials here in Washington trying to woo not just one country, but an entire continent. There's a tacit agreement that the Biden administration has neglected Africa, focusing much of its foreign policy engagement on the Indo-Pacific. U.S. Secretary of State... While the NBA and other American businesses are expanding and venturing into new markets on the African continent, the summit was also an opportunity to discuss geopolitical issues. Secretary Blinken had several bilateral talks with African heads of state to discuss democracy, governance, military expansion, COVID-19, just to name a few. But the big elephant in the room was China. Why, after all these years, is the U.S. finally courting the continent, particularly after China and Russia have become more influential in Africa? The Chinese are decades ahead of America in terms of business and trade. Russia has been supplying military weapons to help fight African wars for years. What does the U.S. really have to offer? Let's hear from State Department's Principal Deputy Spokesperson, Van Dant. Patel, discuss more on this topic. Thank you uh, for that. And you, and this, this um, new council has it was it kind of sparked because of um, the increasing influence of China and Russia um, influence on the continent. 
Uh, well, you know, what we have been very clear about over the, the course of these past few days is this African Leaders Summit is uh, about one region and one region only, and that's Africa. Uh, it's not about any other region or any other country, uh, no matter uh, how much pundits or others uh, might like to make it so. And what it is about is what the United States can affirmatively bring to the table, and that is partnerships and investments that are rooted in shared interests and shared values. Uh, with the African continent and done in a way that is transparent, that is high quality and has the highest standards. Um, and ultimately, at the end goal of this, what we where we hope to end up is uh, creating opportunity for Americans and Africans, uh, new good paying green jobs, infrastructure that connects both uh, that connects uh, countries uh, uh, within the continent, but also uh, infrastructure that connects the continents, um, a more educated and dynamic workforce, and a, a more effective approach to some of the char- shared challenges uh, that the United States and the African continent face, whether that be addressing global food insecurity, addressing the climate crisis, uh, making sure that we're best prepared for future pandemics and other global health challenges. Uh, in short, um, everything about the uh, African Leader Summit, including things like the establishment of the new diaspora council uh, are about uh, seeking to deliver uh, for our people uh, on, on issues that matter the most. And really the fundamental question is, can we effectively diver, deliver on the needs uh, on the aspirations of our people? And we want to work hand in hand with the African continent uh, to, to answer that question with a yes. Absolutely. And on that note, I know the president had recently um, established like a new strategy for sub-Saharan Africa. Well, part of the root of it, it was like um, United States, I was just quoting, United States must root out systematic racism and advance efforts to create a more equitable country. African countries have closely watched our progress. Um, so in this strategy, as we reflect on like the Black Lives Matter movement, um, and the bands that came out of that, especially when it came to uh, police um, police reform and also the Voting Rights Act. Um, while there have been a lot of like DEI efforts and um, definitely um, some definitely changes since um, the Black Lives Matter movement and since Biden has been off it in limbo in Congress, like how are we able to um, really root out our our racial injustice in our country and rooted out out of on a foreign policy level um, if we're still struggling to um, address those issues at home. Sure, sure. So, so um, look. I first and foremost, I will, I, I will let you know my colleagues at some of the other cabinet agencies that are doing some of the uh, frontline work on uh, addressing uh, systemic racism and uh, uh, leading on criminal justice reform speak to some of this stuff more specifically. But, but what I will say is that you know. Um, the United States has been uh, always very clear that we are uh, not a, a perfect country. Uh, no country is a perfect country, and we uh, we never will be. And that's why, um, you know, uh, we talk about the United States as building a more perfect union. Uh, and that work continues and that work endures. Um, uh, but the, the unique thing about the United States is that we have 
uh, uh, been very clear and transparent and uh, been public about the areas of, of, uh, of where we need to continue to work collaboratively uh, and, and work uh, uh, on improving things. And, you know, that uh, has also been something that's been discussed uh, in the course of the African Leader Summit as well. And in, in terms of one of the uh, deliverables that have come out of the summit, uh, there's been a significant emphasis on uh, democracy and governance and African democratic and political transitions. Uh, there was this announcement of a new ADAPT initiative, which reaffirmed the U.S. commitment to engage with complex political transitions in Africa and demonstrate support to governments and civil society uh, at critical moments. I will also note that the first day of um, the African Leader Summit was rooted in uh, robust engagement uh, with civil society and robust engagement with the African diaspora community and the role that civil society and the diaspora community can play um, in, in tackling some of these challenges head on. And that is awesome um, to like just get some clarity on that because, like you said, we we're a country in progress and um, we still have a long way to go here. But um, at least we're making some efforts in the right direction. Um, well, speaking on that, um, I guess my other question is like, there's been lots of talk about expressing like reform in the United Nations Security Council. I know President Biden um, just announced support for the African Union to as a permanent member on the G20, which is um, phenomenal. Um, but as far as discussion for United um, Nations Security Council, um, can you just provide us an update on that, those discussions, and how soon uh, when African countries actually go on board, um, particularly when it comes to joining the G20? Sure. So uh, we have been uh, committed to ensuring uh, African countries have a prominent seat at the table. Secretary Blinken uh, and, and President Biden addressed this quite clearly over the course of the summit. Um, wherever consequential decisions are being made and consequential issues are being discussed, um, we, we think it's important to have African countries uh, part of those discussions. Uh, at the UN General Assembly back in September, uh, you saw President Biden uh, express support for adding permanent members, uh, uh, adding, sorry, excuse me, adding a permanent member from Africa to the UN Security Council. Uh, and this week, uh, President Biden announced support for the Africa Union to join uh, the G20 as a permanent member. Um, and on top of that, you know, the president, the vice president, the first lady, the second gentleman, several members of the cabinet, including Secretary Blinken, intend to travel to Africa in 2023, demonstrating our commitment to African countries and African citizens, but also demonstrating commit our commitment to not only the deliverables um, that have come out of this summit, but also the role that we view the African continent can play in addressing some of our shared challenges. Uh, but also, uh, you know, a key a key aspect of our foreign policy is uh, engaging with our uh, reinvigorating our alliances and 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 really going back to the basics and the bread and butter of diplomacy, uh, and that's important on the African continent as well. Okay, and then speaking of that, I know like um, there's been some criticism with um, even this conference as well as, well as the previous one um, by Ambassador Kana um, Chahombori Kual from um, who was a former UN um, former African Union ambassador. That's 
quite um, controversial statements, if you will. But um, one of our points that struck me was just um, whether or not the United States respects the African continent, um, African leaders, um, in terms of having them involved in the agenda setting for this conference and just really, um, like, really trying to transform how we do business with Africa. Like, what was your impression this time around um, compared to, like, I guess, um, the last African Union, I mean, the last African Leaders Summit? Like, what is happening? What are some of the major um, things that are happening this time around that can refute some of our statements um, in terms of criticism towards the way the United States views Africa, um, United States as shaping its U.S.-Africa power? Um, so, I, I, you know, I'm going to go back to what I said earlier to one of your, uh, to one of your first questions. Uh, this African Leader Summit is about one region and one region only. It's about Africa. It's not about any other region or country. And rooted in that is a deep respect for the African continent. Uh, and rooted in, in that is a recognition that African nations are key geopolitical partners. Um, and it's going to be impossible to meet the defining challenges of the 21st century without uh, contributions, partnerships, and leaderships uh, from the African continent. And what this summit is about is a focus on what we will do with African nations and African people. And rooted in that is not only a deep respect, but a partnership on so many key areas and shared priorities, whether that be continued recovery from the COVID-19 pandemic and making sure that all countries around the world are best prepared for future global health challenges, but also that includes creating broad-based economic opportunity, addressing the climatic, uh, climate crisis, uh, uh, tackling uh, human rights and humanitarian situations, eliminating food insecurity, expanding energy access. Uh, we want to promote a free, open, secure, and prosperous world and offer partnerships. And as it relates to the African continent, we see them as key geopolitical partners uh, to do a lot of these things. Okay. And thank you for that. And one last question, like, what are the next steps? Now that the conference is over, um, what are some of the next big priorities? Um, I know the president announced that he's possibly going to do a trip to Africa probably next year, but um, what are some of the next steps that are coming Sure, sure. So look, we are dedicated to following through on these commitments. Uh, and uh, because of that, you saw the president uh, announce a new special presidential representative for U.S. Africa Leader Summit implementation. And that individual is going to coordinate these efforts. Um, and that person is one of uh, uh, one of our most seasoned diplomats uh, who has uh, immense experience uh, working on an, a number of these issues. It's uh, uh, Ambassador Johnny Carsons. Uh, and so uh, he uh, has nearly four decades of experience, deep relationships across the region. Um, and I have uh, think of no better person who can ensure that the work that was discussed over the course of this summit um, is now going to be translated into action. So I also, you know, think we'll have more to, this is something that we're going to keep talking about our engagement and our focus and partnership with the African continent didn't, um, didn't start on Tuesday and didn't end yesterday. This is a work that uh, continues to be ongoing. And of course uh, the African leader summit was a key piece of that. 
And that does it for us on Global Take, where we discuss global issues from the Black perspective. If you enjoyed this episode, please like us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn. You can find us at Black Professionals and International Affairs at www.iabpia.org. You can also find all podcasts on Spotify as well as Apple Podcasts. So please like and leave a comment. Thank you.